You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Host Kane Pittman joined by the founder of Brewhood.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. And it's a weird feeling. I, I don't know. It, it always feels weird when the Bucks lose, but they did go down to the Spurs 126 104. So they could not complete uh, that home and home uh, sweep with the Spurs after the win on Saturday. Uh, they go down in what is really becoming. Uh, the, the commonplace when Bucks lose, the opposition shoot the lights out from three on this night. Uh, the Spurs were 54.3% from three. They hit a season high 19 uh, from beyond the arc. And uh, uh, there was a lot to be frustrated about this one tonight, Frank. I don't know. I'm just, I'm going to let you start wherever you want to start this one. Yeah. I mean, you can start on, on either side um, yeah. really. Cause I think there were, were issues that you could find uh, on either side. I mean, uh, you know, an offensive rating of 107, a defensive rating of 130. Um, I think was this the worst loss of the of the Bucks era? They they lost by twenty two. I know they lost last year mm-hmm. by twenty in that um, that Magic game that that Giannis didn't play in. Um, I just, I don't know. I don't know offhand. I haven't seen any reference to that. But this might have been the worst blowout that I can recall. And obviously the game was was not. I mean, it didn't feel like a blowout. It was kind of you know Bucks got it down to six on a number of occasions uh, in the third quarter. Um, and just couldn't get over the hump. And I thought really the the killer was uh, when Aldridge and DeRozan go out, um, they brought Giannis back in late in the third quarter, and uh, they actually bled points. They <laughs> they were yeah. – uh, the lead went back to double digits, and they were not able to take advantage of that. Um, Ursan got cooked by Rudy Gay multiple times, but uh, not dealing with Matt matchups in a way that obviously uh, you would have liked. And, um, you know, ultimately I think just the Spurs making shots and the Bucks missing shots. I mean, again, um, usually when the Bucks lose, there's just a whole lot of make or miss league type stuff, <laughs> type stuff that's going on. And, um, you know, again, the other team makes a lot of shots uh, that, that becomes harder and, you know, 15 out of 45 for the Bucks, 19 out of 35 for the Spurs. So, I mean, you know, you look at the three pointers made difference. I mean, four three pointers difference isn't huge, but they did it on ten fewer three pointer <laughs> three pointers attempted. And you know, overall, the Spurs shoot fifty one percent from the field, forty nine percent on twos, which is you know feels like a high number from what we often see against the Bucks. Where you know they often are down at like the forty percent, low forty percent range. Um, and tonight the Bucks were at forty six percent, which is you know again a role reversal that the Bucks were the worst team on two pointers. And obviously we just said that they were worse on threes as well. And neither team shot a lot of free throws tonight. So there wasn't a whole lot to be gained there. And, um, you know, mid range was just a killer DeRozan leading the way there, 20 to four advantage for the Spurs from mid range. So, um, 
you know, again, there were a lot of guys who made shots for the Spurs, whether it was, you know, Patty Mills, who we expect to make shots, maybe not six out of 10. He was lights out anytime he had a seam pulling up off pick and roll. Um, Rudy Gay, 17 points, two out of two threes on 10 shots. DeRozan, 25 on 15 shots. Uh, And even DeJounte Murray, I mean, 13 points on 11 shots isn't great, but, you know, we talked about the Bucks looking at him as a guy that you could leave open. Well, he hit three out of four from three. And I thought he played really good defense on Eric Bledsoe, who uh, didn't make a two-point shot, two out of seven, two out of five on threes, uh, just eight points. He was stifled. Chris Middleton was bad. Um, got a little bit going in the third quarter, but um, he missed a bunch of good looks early on, some of them just not even close, as he had 15 points on uh, 16 shots. So he was poor. And then to cap it all off, I mean, Giannis, inefficient by his standards, 24 points on 22 shots, 0 for 5 from 3, did have 12 boards, 8 assists, 3 steals of blocks. I mean, he did, he did a lot of stuff, um, but could not hit a three-pointer. And, you know, 10 out of 17 on twos, pretty good. Um, but just 4 out of 4 from the line, I like not missing free throws, but didn't take very many. So the Spurs were pretty disciplined tonight. And, um, you know, again, they, I think, generally tried to force other guys to beat them and, you know, just for too much of the night. Other guys did not for the Bucks, and uh, for the Spurs, you know, they had a real collective effort. And again, better team won on this night, at least in terms of you know who who, who played who played better. Well, those the Spurs for sure. Yeah, and and really, you mentioned some of the numbers with the with the shooters for San Antonio, and and you mentioned Mills, obviously, who had twenty one points, and he's really like their their spark plug, and he's always been a guy that's come off the bench, even though. Uh, yeah, arguably he's having maybe his best uh, season in the NBA. He's averaging a career high, 11.4 points coming in. And when you think back to the first quarter on Saturday night, he had nine really quick points in that game. Uh, he had a couple of threes, uh, then he got fouled on a, on a three-point shot as well. And he sort of threatened to do this the other night, but then they were able to shut him down, similar uh, to Lamarck Zoltridge. And then also he just missed shots, but that wasn't the case tonight. And Patty, like, I love you. Um, you're doing some good stuff for the Fires back home right now, but you did not need to do this tonight. Uh, some of the shots he was making were ridiculous. He was falling out of bounds, falling over. Everything was going. And uh, then LaMarcus Aldridge again. Like he, only, he only shoots three, but he hits two of them. Even DeMar DeRozan, you already spoke about the work he did in the mid-range, but he just uh, rubs a little bit of salt into the wound by hitting his one three-point attempt as well. And uh, you know, offensively, I wouldn't mind like starting with Bledsoe a little bit here because we, we sort of sung his praises uh, the, the other night with, with how well he has been playing since he's come back from that injury. And then tonight, he just has one of those really strange nights. I mean, the, for, for him to only take two uh, two-point field goal attempts, and, and one of them was a mid-range that I, I remember clearly. I, I'm not sure if I remember where he missed his other shot there. But uh, this was a night where... With that wall that the Spurs were setting up, it was difficult for him to be able to penetrate and get into the paint and get to the basket. But uh, he just had to. And I didn't think that he was aggressive enough offensively. And we've spoke about the difference that he's made for this team, uh, not only in pushing the pace, but uh, giving them a different look with that ball handler and a guy that can uh, can attack that they lacked when he was out, even though they were still winning. But uh, yeah, I think I thought that they they needed a little bit more from him because it was interesting to see Chris and I actually commented in in the third quarter that I I was happy with the fact that Milton was being really aggressive still and looking uh, to to find his shot because uh, I do think that it is important for him to be able to uh, have bad stretches of games. It feels like with Milton so often 
his good games are he just plays well for the whole night. He's shooting well. And when he's not shooting well, uh, too often he fades out. And all this conversation that's been had about him being uh, a number two option, well, sometimes you're not going to make shots, but you still need to be aggressive like a number two option. I thought in the third quarter, even though it still didn't go all his way, I think he had nine points in that period. And it was, you know, he was really trying to get something going, as were the Bucks when they made a little bit of a run there. But, uh, you know, too often, every time you thought that the Bucks were going to get back into it, they, they couldn't uh, stop the Spurs from making shots. And then those two guys uh, in particular just weren't able to, to get much going offensively, which, uh, you know, it's a bad combination. Yeah, and, uh, you know, the the idea of walling off the paint, I mean, it worked well on, on Giannis uh, the other night. Tonight, as you mentioned, 10 out of 17. He looked really aggressive trying to get early offense before the defense was set, which, yeah. you know, I'd say makes a lot of sense. I mean, Bucks um, outscored the Spurs 22 to 2 in transition. I felt like a lot of those were Giannis just aggressively trying to go to the rim. I mean, he had, a, he had that one in particular in the third quarter where just – just the speed and body control and ability to adjust that he has is outrageous at his size. It's just crazy. Yeah. If that's the one I'm thinking of, I I thought he was actually under the the backboard. Like I I didn't, I don't know how he flicked it up. It was an incredible shot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you kind of were like, Oh, is he going to go in for a dunk? And then you kind of need to take an extra dribble and weave through a couple of guys and, um, he ended up kind of dead footing himself. So he was kind of like, as you said, under the basket and didn't really go above the rim, but um, still was able to angle one up uh, on the backboard as he was, you know, almost going under the, the basket. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, again, like, you know, this is one of those things. I mean, this obviously wasn't as severe as uh, the Philly game, but, you know, you look at the last two Bucks losses, you know, Giannis 0 for 7 from three in that game, Giannis 0 for 5 in this game. Um, you know, I think those are, two of the three losses the Bucks have had in the last two months, basically. Um, so when Giannis is, again, when a team can defend him pretty honestly uh, in terms of his attacking, and again, 10 out of 17 on twos um, is not great by Giannis' standards. I mean, for most moral humans, that would be awesome. Um, but for Giannis, who we're used to seeing, you know, hit 64, 65% of his two-point shots, you expect even more. Uh, from that so yeah I mean yeah maybe 11 or 12 would be better right um but um so in, encouraging to see him and again like we said the other day I mean you know guys adjust Giannis adjusts you know the Bucks adjust the other team adjusts back you know blah 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 um the Bucks did I thought do a better job and he was more aggressive trying to get to the rim early um but uh certainly when the game became a half-court game and you know when you give up a 130 offensive rating you're not forcing a lot of turnovers. You're not getting a lot of rebounds that you're able to run off of. I mean, that's just the nature of, of what's happening. When you're taking the ball out of the, the basket, uh, it's just harder to run. And so, you know, you can only imagine how much the Bucks might have been better on, on, in the fast break if they had actually been able to get you know, real stops, which, which obviously they just weren't able to do with any consistency. So, um, yeah, I mean, again, like when you hold Giannis, Chris, and Bled, to below average, you know, scoring nights, both in terms of raw points and in terms of efficiency, that's a pretty great start as far as, you know, holding the Bucks down. Um, you know, I think important to point out uh, some bright spots offensively, George Hill and his return to San Antonio, 15 points, four rebounds, four assists, another three for four night from three. 
Um, you hit a couple of those late in the third quarter, mid to late in the third quarter, where you thought, okay, maybe the Bucks can try to get this game close to even heading into the fourth quarter. Uh, Dante DiVincenzo, six out of 12, two out of six from three, 16 points. Obviously, that was uh, generally pretty encouraging to see him. Uh, missed a couple, missed some shots early, uh, but then did hit a couple threes. Uh, had some nice finishes around the basket, which is you know generally obviously an encouraging thing to see. Um, but overall, I mean, and, and West Matthews, I'll, I'll, I should point out West Matthews as well. He was four out of six from three, uh, 12 points, a couple of assists. Uh, you know, again, he good to see him make some shots uh, mm-hmm. since he, he didn't do that in the last game early <laughs> in his first game back. So uh, West coming back and making some shots was was encouraging. But, um, you know, there wasn't really any any combination that that worked here. I mean, every buck uh, that played had a negative point differential, which kind of just goes to show you, you know, starters weren't great backups didn't have any real answers uh and even the scrubs you know getting in late we saw you know the nas i don't i don't think we've seen the nasas in a loss uh but tonight was the rare blowout loss where you actually saw the nasas that akumbo um sterling dj get minutes uh those guys all also negative as the spurs kind of ran it up late to get that you know probably flattering scoreline of uh, 22 point differential so um yeah, uh, not much to write home about about this game, and you know we talked about it. it's it's hard to to beat a team twice in a row, uh, and certainly a lot of history between Bud and Pop and them knowing one another and their their tendencies and all, and all that. Uh, and you know after the game, Bud basically, I mean he he said Spurs deserve credit, and he said you know he got out coached, and he needed to do some things quicker. And I thought the probably the most obvious thing that I that I saw. Um, you know, we saw a lot of switching earlier in this game than we did last game f- mm-hmm. for sure. Um, so the Bucks didn't, it's not like the Bucks hit the reset button on their defense. Um, they, you know, they, they, they tried to incorporate some of the things we talked about last night, um, into, you know, as far as some of the switching and, and not giving up those pick and pops, uh, like they did to Aldridge. But, um, I, I thought really that that third quarter is, is, you know, that was the decisive quarter to me. Um, you know, Bucks were down even more. I think they were, I don't forget what the biggest deficit was, but you know, they hit a couple shots there late in the second to get it down to 13. Uh, and then they come out really strong to start the third quarter. Giannis and Chris start to get things going a little bit. And, you know, as I said, get it down to, I think six, I'm not sure if they got down to five, but uh, may have got down to five at one point, but five or six points. And as you said, just not able to get stops, whether it was DeRozan, uh, whether it was Aldridge, Murray hitting shots, you mentioned Mills. Uh, and, uh, you know, Rudy Gay, I think it was like three straight possessions, either scored or, or drew a foul on Ursula Sova one-on-one, which, um, you know, to me, that was, that was surprising. We talked a lot about the Bucks overhelping and it was kind of, kind of strange that, you know, they just sort of let Ursan get cooked three straight times, um, by, by Rudy Gay. And I mean, you had Giannis on the court, right? You, you could have thrown Giannis on Gay and, put Eliasova on on Aldridge and obviously the counter would be well then then they're going to put Aldridge into pick and rolls and you know if you want to switch that now you've got Ursan defending a guard in a pick and roll which obviously is not good either so again you're going to have kind of trade-offs either way um but you know when it's just happening kind of over and over I mean again I'm usually somebody says hey don't don't help too much but this you know that was one of those periods where it was like it felt like the Bucks desperately needed some stops and you know Unfortunately, it was, it was the exact opposite. And, and again, not to pin this is loss isn't on Urson or something like that specifically, but um, you know, this was just one of those games where uh, you know, matchup wise, 
uh, let's just say I think the Bucks and and Bud could have handled some things better, and uh, they were on the back foot there, and then finally took Urson out and went with Chris Middleton. But you know, by that time, it uh, it was felt like it was too late. Yeah, and just to to quickly uh, throw this in there, I, I did double check uh, what you sort of mentioned at the start of the podcast. So yeah, the twenty two point loss is the biggest loss that they've had. Uh, since Bud came in. So it, it sort of, I mean, it creeped up a little bit at the end there, but um, yeah, strange, 22-point loss. So the, the biggest one pre- uh, prior to that was the game you mentioned uh, against Orlando, which I think might have been before the All-Star break. I don't know, it was around that time uh, anyway. But yeah, I, I thought that there was a couple of times where uh, I was like, okay, the Bucks are going to, they're going to take this game over. And you mentioned how they come out in, in the third quarter. So they actually got it back to 65 uh, 61. So it was a four-point game within the first two minutes of the third quarter. So you're like, okay, Giannis is rolling here. He picked up the end one. Uh, Chris Middleton finally was able to hit a three, and uh, you thought, okay, this is this is this is the the moment the Bucks are going to make a run. And then uh, the Spurs come back with uh, an Aldridge uh, finger roll layup, and then and then Bryn Forbes hits a three as well, and and that is actually fouled on. And then all of a sudden it's back up to 10 points and it just felt like one of those games. And I thought the actual one, actually one of the, the pivotal possessions in the fourth quarter was uh, just after Pop called a timeout, the Bucks were trailing by 11 and they were putting together a really nice defensive possession. And then Bledsoe uh, had a, an ill-advised foul. I think there was 4.6 seconds left on the shot clock. Uh, the Spurs get the ball back. Giannis, uh, Nelly steals the ball. And if he's able to control the ball and he's going uh, down the other end for an open dunk and you have a nine-point game with still over eight minutes left, uh, he sort of wasn't able to control the ball and kicked it out of bounds. And then uh, the Spurs were able to score. And <laughs> and then it was just the, the tale of, of the night, really. I mean, that just consistently happened down the stretch. Every time the Bucks looked like they were going to make a move, uh, the Spurs hit a shot. But uh, on Ursan, it was interesting because this was under the, one of the rare times this season we were just talking the other night about uh, the impact that Robin Lopez has had. And he's had to play less in, um, in the... You know, at the five, I guess, if you want to call that or the four, however you want to say it, with Giannis. And tonight, yeah, it didn't work out. And it's interesting to look at, at the Spurs. And when Bud talks about, maybe I should have made adjustments quicker. Well, the one adjustment he didn't make and the one that he's rarely made since he's been the Bucks coach is, is stopping teams from getting those open mid-range shots. And if you look at the, the points in the paint again tonight for the Spurs, only 32 points. So they had 26 in, in the previous game. So... Uh, I mean, that's a great number <laughs> for the Bucks. Like that, that would be a number that Bud would be happy about. But then you look at all the open mid-range shots they're getting and the three-point shots, and sometimes you just have to wonder whether the Bucks, who are so determined not to give up that, uh, you know, paint defense, restricted area defense, maybe sometimes you just got to like give a little uh, to to slow down a guy like DeRozan, who is just so comfortable walking into those mid-range shots uh, with no one really contesting them. Yeah, and he hit, I mean, it felt like he hit some shots earlier that were just like, oh, what are you supposed to do with this guy type shots, right? Which I mean, we've seen from DeRozan over the years that he's, you know, a mid-range artist in that regard. Um, but then there were also some where it was just like, okay, no, you know, nobody's even around him, right? And it's like, well, yeah, he's going to hit that shot. Um, so it, it's a challenge. And it's, it was interesting, too. Um, it felt like there were a couple, t- I think one of the challenges of, you know, playing the type of defense the Bucks play you know, if you're a perimeter defender and you've got Brook Lopez and Giannis behind you, you don't really feel the pain of 
you know, getting beat off the dribble or, you know, being a little aggressive necessarily because you've got that wall of enormous, you know, 14 feet of human behind you to, to wall off the, the pain and, you know, force the offense to do something they don't want to do. Um, or, or at least give you a chance to recover out on a shooter if they have to kick it back out. Uh, and I thought it was interesting. It felt like when the Bucks went small, um, you really noticed, I mean, we talked about Brooke Lopez and that amazing brim defense he had in the last game. Um, you know, in this game, instead of, you know, the Spurs staying big and the Spurs have a long history of, you know, playing big, starting two big men, um, you know, Trey Lyles tonight, I think played like when he played 20 minutes or something like that. I mean, felt like we saw less of Lyles or at least less in those kind of critical moments. And, you know, Lyles had six points on 11 shots. You kind of felt like if Lyles was in there more, uh, the Bucks maybe win this game. Win this yeah. game. Um, but they go with Gay and Aldridge together there at the end of the third quarter. And, you know, again, it just seemed like there wasn't a guy that, that they could put Ursan on. And, um, and that was when, you know, they had been struggling to score with Robin Lopez in the game. They go small. Um, but instead of going – you know, they did. This is kind of one of those things. Like, you know, this would be the, the the textbook situation. I think where you would say, okay, this is where you would want to be a team that uses DJ Wilson as like a situational defender, right? And again, you know, Ursan's played really well um, offensively. He's done enough defensively this year. Um, you know, again, I I doubt that from a regular season perspective that DJ would outperform what Ursan has been doing night in and night yeah. out. But problem is, you don't know with DJ really what you have. And then there are going to be these nights where, you know, and there have been fewer than I expected, right? I mean, you have to give Ursan credit. Like, you know, as a team defender and the Bucks, just generally, given how well-oiled they are as a machine defensively, you know, they can usually cover over the fact that, you know, Giannis, or, or sorry, Ursan often can't one-on-one defend necessarily uh, the guys that he's defending in space. Um, but tonight, you know, Ursan on an island, I mean, first off, well, you know, be nice if you had some different options. You know, we've seen Sterling Brown be the small ball uh, four at times. Eventually, Bud went back to Chris as a small ball four, which you know, at least on paper, makes a lot more sense too. You know, Gay is Gay is bigger, kind of stronger than him, but size wise, at least length wise, they're similar. Um, quickness wise, obviously, it's a much closer matchup there. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is kind of one of those things. You know, you know, again, it's it's a long season. You have the best record in the league. Um, Again, Sterling's gotten more run than DJ. We've talked about how it's interesting that Sterling's seemingly had a longer leash than DJ has. You know, I don't know what that says. Maybe that says about what Bud sees in practice from DJ. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you like DJ is, you know, infallible and is getting screwed or something like that. But, um, you know, this, this regular season, you, you have, (laughs) you have, you have latitude to screw around and experiment and try different things and, you know, figuring out like, okay, can DJ or Sterling be like, a situational defender, whether it's with Giannis or somebody else. I mean, that's the kind of thing I think would be valuable to learn, but obviously we haven't seen that from DJ. And and again, not that DJ like wins the game tonight. <laughs> if he plays, I mean, the Spurs shooting and Middleton and, and Bledsoe in particular playing poorly. I think, I mean, those are obviously much bigger factors and why the Bucks lost this game. But I think it does highlight, you know, philosophically, I think something that we've seen some from, bud but um you know for the most part he's just sort of rotated guys in his rotation among his veterans like guys that kind of we already know what they can do um you know corver the other night hit three out of three tonight he's over four um and again like sterling i think has been disappointing this year dj hasn't really even played enough to really have 
I think a grade. Um, but those are two guys that, you know, it's like, and it's, again, we're, we're not even halfway through the season, but I would hope at some point here, we're going to get those guys at least some run just to see, okay, you know, Sterling, you're going to have to make a decision on this summer as a straight to free agent, or possibly as a trade chip, if you want to make some peripheral move or something like that, DJ, you know, extension eligible, um, doubt will know enough about DJ for him to be a guy getting an extension. But if Ursan's a you know, free agent, obviously, are you definitely going to want to bring Ursan back because you don't trust DJ Wilson to play at all? You know, those are all sorts of things that when you're as good as the Bucks are, I mean, these are the kinds of things you should be able to figure out. And again, it's not like we're talking about, you know, putting Cam Reynolds or, you know, Frank Mason out there for crunch time minutes or something like that, right? Like these are players who have played real NBA rotation minutes shown that they can do that for you uh, as recently as, you know, Sterling at times this year, uh, obviously DJ at times last year. So, um, so I don't know. Yeah. I mean, again, like you don't want to blow up anything, but I think a game like this, I think does serve as a useful lens for just sort of thinking about philosophically, like, what is Bud's philosophy? Does he always want to play the same guys and get consistency in his rotations more? Or does he want to figure out, you know, with some of these guys who haven't been playing as much, you know, do you want to give those guys a run at some point? And, you know, I was asked earlier today about Dragon Bender because his contract Mm -hmm. guarantees on the 10th. And, you know, my view is I don't, I don't see any reason why they would waive him at this point. You know, you're basically be, to save 900 K. Um, but you know, you're not right up against the luxury tax at this point. You probably could waive him and sign somebody else later, uh, this spring if you really wanted to. So I don't really see the point of, of waving Dragon Bender given, you know, you don't necessarily have an obvious person to sign anyway. Um, or, or, you know, just waving Dragon to have a spot doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. So, um, but you know, Bender is probably the most extreme case, right? I mean, there's no obvious, you know, way for Dragon Bender to get in the lineup at this point, but um, he's playing well for the Wisconsin Herd. Seems like he might be a little trimmer than he was at the beginning of the season. We kind of talked a little bit about maybe he wasn't in ideal shape in in October during during preseason. Um, and so I think it's with all these guys, like you know, you're winning at a historic clip here. Uh, what is sort of you know how, how are you kind of optimizing these different things? And I think with DJ and Sterling, there may be reasons for the playoffs to try to figure out what they can bring. Um, and, you know, a guy like Bender, obviously probably less, less worried about, you know, him being a playoff contributor, but he is non-guaranteed for next year as well. Um, you know, if there are games at some point later in the season where you can give guys like that a run and just sort of see what you have with them and just figure out like, okay, is this somebody that we want to kind of factor into next year or not? Um, I think that's viable, but um, so far, obviously, you know, almost halfway through the season, clearly Bud is, is prioritizing playing his veteran guys um, with D, D, you know, Dante probably being the, the obvious uh, exception to that. Yeah. It's been so hard to, to really criticize anything that the Bucks have done this season because they've just been winning so much. But if there was anything that I would say that has bothered me a little bit, and I've mentioned it before, so I don't want to um, you know, keep repeating this, but it is exactly what you just mentioned. I mean, you, the Bucks have essentially put themselves in a tough position now um, you know, depending on what they want to do with a guy like Ersan, and maybe uh, they do want to package him with with Sterling or something like that. We've we've spoken that it's hard to imagine Bud actually trading Ersan, um, but uh, they're in a difficult spot because they don't really know what they have in DJ, and it doesn't look like Bud trusts him or wants him to 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 find out what they've got with him. So then it makes you wonder: well, what's the future with DJ with the Bucks? I mean, these are the type of things you start to think about because. 
Uh, I've said it before, but you know, I don't have any problem with Ursan like missing games or sitting out games and the Bucks trying some things. I mean, that's what they need to do. And the the, the problem is if, uh, as we spoke about on a recent podcast, if they moved Ursan, then uh, you know what? You all of a sudden you you do trust DJ, and and he is a guy that you want to uh, put in the rotation and play real minutes. I'm not sure. I, I don't really see that. So uh, I would agree. I, I don't know why. On a night like tonight, you wouldn't just say, let's see what we got. We're down We're down by double digits. It's in the third quarter. DJ, go out there. We've seen him before. Uh, you know, create, create some things defensively that are able to get the, the Bucks going a little bit. We know he's athletic and run the floor. He's got good feet defensively. Certainly moves quicker side to side than Ersan does. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm with you. Uh, that's, that's the one thing that's probably confused me a little bit with uh, this season. After what we saw last year, where it looked like, um, certainly not down the stretch, but for uh, portions of the season that Bud was really wanting to develop DJ. So um, it's interesting to watch. And Bender, I was going to bring up Bender as well. And uh, I saw you uh, sort of tweeting or, or having that discussion today around him. I, I probably also would be surprised if, uh, if they waived him. He's certainly playing well. You mentioned that uh, G League Player of the Week uh, this week. I think he averaged uh, something like 27 and 9. He was shooting the three ball really well. And uh, he's intriguing. I, I think there's enough there with Bender that I, I wonder whether he he is a guy. I mean, if you're going to move Bender, then I'm I'm or you're not. You don't think that Bender's going to have a future here. I, I kind of wonder. Well, he might have done enough, and he might have shown a little bit here with the Bucks, even though it has been super limited. Limited. Maybe he's a guy that uh, you, you can package in the trade anyway. Super super uh, small salary, I know, but uh, maybe there's some value out there for him now. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how real. Uh, that would be in such a small time. But yeah, I, I think just flat out waving him seems uh, I don't know, maybe not the smartest thing to do. Yeah, I mean, we saw a year ago, I mean, they, you know, they waved Christian Wood um, yep. and picked up Pau Gasol. Gasol gets hurt, <laughs> not before, you know, one disastrous uh, run <laughs> in San Antonio against his old team. I mean, this this fixture a year ago, uh, the time that they put Pau on the floor was yeah. the time when they basically lost the game a year ago. Uh, and then he ends up, Probably, I mean, again, not that you wish injury on anybody, but I think probably for the best that Bud didn't even have the option of playing Powell because, I mean, there was no way that Powell was going to be, I'd say, a difference maker for, for last year's team. So, um, yeah, I mean, and again, you know, and, and again, not that like Christian Wood is, you know, somehow going to be, have been, uh, I would say, a, a contributor on this year's team. I mean, Christian Wood would basically be Jogging Bender this year if, if yeah. he was back. Um, so I, ultimately, I, you know, I don't think actually, and, and obviously I'm a uh, card-carrying citizen of the Woodlands. It's been fun watching him uh, get some opportunity well. and some, yeah. yeah, he's, he's been, you know, his advanced numbers have been great uh, in uh, Detroit, getting him up some opportunity with Blake Griffin looking increasingly likely to miss potentially the rest of the season. Um, but, you know, again, Wood wasn't going to play here this year. Uh, and, uh, you know, so did it matter that, they waived him. No, not really. Cause then they ended up getting Bender. And to be honest, Bender might be a better fit for kind of the Bucks system anyway. And now the Bucks basically have Bender on the same deal that they had wood on a year ago, which is basically that two year deal with the second year fully non-guaranteed. So um, yeah, as you said, I mean, even if I mean, that's the thing, I mean, they didn't end up having to eat any wood salary last year because he got picked up on waivers. And I think to be honest, I mean, if Dragon Bender goes on waivers in two months because the Bucks, you know, have some buyout guy or something like that, and I don't know who that would even be, but if they were in that situation, um, I, I mean, I would think some random team is going to look at Bender and say, you know, just given the pedigree, 
the yeah. growth he's shown in the G League and you know his his young age and the contract, you know, basically have a free option to get him for nothing next year. Um, why not, right? I, I would think somebody would pick him up. So, I mean, again, I think we've made the obvious case for why Bender is kind of a no-brainer to keep for now. Um, and, uh, you know, but, but again, it, it, this is the challenge, obviously, with being a team that is really good. I mean, it's, it's the challenge and the luxury, right? Uh, the challenge is the expectation is to go out there and win every night. You're not, you know, on the one hand, you, you know, you're not entering any game saying, well, we just want these young guys to get better. Um, the flip side is, well, I mean, you know, there are also, I mean, the Bucks were so good last year that they had those games like that Atlanta game where Tim mm-hmm. Frazier plays 53 minutes and the last game of the season where, you know, Bonzi and DJ Wilson, I think all play 40 plus minutes. So um, being really, really good also does occasionally provide some development opportunities. And it also, you know, means that I think with guys like Sterling and DJ, I mean, you can play these guys. I mean, these are not, it's not like we're talking about putting out like some 18 year old kid in the lineup who doesn't know how to play basketball. I mean, we, we know these guys are NBA players. Um, and I think ironically too, I mean, they're also the whole point of, of figuring out those, what you have with those guys is that they are not as easily like schemable from a defensive perspective as, you know, guys like Corver on the wing or Ursan at the, at the four. And, and again, I don't think, you know, Ursan's not a guy who's going to get just like targeted every night. Um, you know, I think he's smart enough and the Bucks defend in a way that kind of limits their team's ability to do that. But, you know, we saw it. I, I was worried it was going to be in that Toronto series. And, you know, he largely avoided it. Um, I think Siakam, like, wasn't able to really target him too badly last year. But um, it, we saw it in a couple of the regular season games. I mean, he had nothing for Siakam one-on-one. And uh, tonight, obviously, you know, going up against Rudier, uh, <laughs> it just wasn't a, wasn't a fair fight. And, and again, um, that's not just an Ursan thing. That's also the coach just you know, putting a guy in a spot where he's obviously just not going to, not going to look good. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think, again, I think these, these games are, I'd say, you know, when you're winning, it's easy to just sort of say, well, you know, the rotations probably made sense because you're winning every game and, you know, things are going well. Um, so I think, again, you want to be really careful not to overreact to losses. Um, but I do think it like lets you at least, you know, it's a good lens for saying, Hmm, like maybe you should try some different things. Maybe, you know, different looks would help. And, Again, if this if you get beaten because you know some team throws a small ball four out there and you're trying to have Urson defend him one on one, yeah, I mean it's not that big of a deal to have for it to happen in January. And again, not that this loss was because of Urson's defense over a three minute span, um, but all this stuff becomes magnified in the playoffs. And so you know, again, just knowing what you've got uh, in terms of your bench and having situational guys, I mean that that can be valuable. And we'll see. Uh, it's a long season, you know. I, let's not forget a year ago Sterling basically didn't play the first two months of the season. DJ really didn't play until mid December when Bucks went to Detroit and won a close game and DJ and Sterling both played really well in that game. And then DJ had a bit of an extended run before obviously uh, he kind of faded back into uh, the bench uh, later in the year after the Meritage trade. So um, yeah, I mean, again, the season is long. We're almost halfway through, but the season is very long and, you know, again, you, you don't necessarily need to play the young guys 82 games to understand what they've got. But again, as, as the calendar ticks away and the Bucks have obviously been racking up a lot of wins, you do kind of wonder, okay, what's the right balance between sticking to what's working and trying some different things just to sort of figure out like, Hey, is this something that, that could be used, you know, three, four months from now? 
Yeah, well, I mean, uh, we know at some point Ersan's going to break his nose and that hasn't happened yet this season. So uh, <laughs> DJ just has to ride this thing out because when that happens, uh, you know, he's gonna, he might get a little chance here for a week or two. So uh, I don't know, something to watch. But it's funny, you mentioned that our Bucks are going to lose, uh, lose games and we, we spent so much time during the streak talking about uh, it was going to be a, one of these you know, lower-ranked teams was going to come in and beat the Bucs, and it would probably happen on a really hot shooting night. It's exactly what happened tonight. The Bucs uh, lose to an under-500 team for the first time this season. They're 23-1 against uh, under-500 teams now, which is a, a remarkable record. And, uh, I, you know, they get a chance to, to bounce back now against uh, <laughs> the, the Warriors. Uh, which is going to be kind of weird seeing the Bucks come uh, come up against this uh, Warriors team. Obviously, uh, you know, still Draymond is still there and Steve Kerr is still there, but they are not the same team. And there's a bunch of guys that maybe some people have never heard of that are actually playing rotation minutes for the Warriors. So, uh, funnily enough, this game is on ESPN. The Warriors have still uh, snuck through the cracks there with a, with a bunch of national TV games, which are actually starting to lose a few of those. But uh, I think... You know, playing this Bucks team, we know how they respond to losses on national TV. Uh, I, I like I like the chances of, of Giannis having a big night here. Yeah, uh, Draymond um, has been injured with an ankle, um, but uh, I'm just reading the news today. He is expected to play Wednesday against the Bucks. Um, so we'll see what version of the uh, of the Warriors we get. They're currently in the process of getting blown out by the Kings tonight. Um, no D'Angelo Russell. Still uh, that, yeah, good, just good times overall <laughs> uh, in, uh, in, in Golden State. Um, but uh, obviously, Draymond coming back, that obviously, you know, uh, changes things a little bit. D'Angelo Russell is also out uh, tonight with a shoulder injury. I don't see any indication of what his expectation is for uh, a potential comeback against the Bucks. He's averaged 23 points per game in 31 minutes, 43, 36% uh, shooting splits from overall in two. So, I mean, you know, we know what D'Angelo Russell can do. Obviously, he's kind of one of those any given night type players that, um, you know, if the war- if you're going to lose to the Warriors, uh, you feel a lot better if he's not playing um, <laughs> because he's one of the few guys that can really, really go mm-hmm. off. But, I mean, let's be honest, Steph Curry is not playing in this game. So, whether D'Angelo Russell plays or not, whether Draymond plays or not, you need to win that game. <laughs> you can't lose back-to-back games uh, in San Antonio, which, again, Spurs have not been a good home team. Um, obviously, you mentioned they're below 500, uh, and the Warriors have obviously been terrible this year. So, yeah, no real excuses uh, to speak of uh, as far as, you know, this game coming up. And um, we'll see. Obviously, not not what we're used to uh, – seeing as far as matchups with the Warriors. These are normally circle the calendar type games and obviously uh, a very different, very different scene in, uh, in, uh, in the Bay this year. Yeah. And uh, first, first time at uh, Chase Center for the Bucks as well, which, uh, you know, it's always cool to, to, to see or go to, I guess. I mean, I won't be there, but uh, to see the team play in new arenas, it looks like a pretty uh, nice and uh, very expensive arena they've built over there for the worst team in the NBA. But uh, look, I'm sure they'll, uh, I'm sure it seems like this, that the fans are still into it anyway. They've got a pretty um, strong fan base over there. But before we wrap it up, I will uh, remind everyone, you still have a little bit of time to get in some questions. If you have questions for me and Frank, uh, before we do a mailbag this week, it's going to happen at some point. So yeah, you probably uh, 
a little bit more time there to get at, at locked on bucks on Twitter and, and fire in your, your questions there. And, or, uh, or email or email locked on bucks at gmail.com. Um, that's also, you, if, all right. I don't know if this is the time to have this conversation, but I remember I, I was trying to get into that email at one point. Is, are you running that email? Is that, is that still a thing? Cause if that is, that's great. It is. I, I, man, it's kind of those things like I have it on my phone. Um, and I'm trying to remember if I, if I even, um, if I can, if I even remember what the, the login is, <laughs> I, may, I may have to ask our friend, our friend Eric or something like that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's one of those, uh, one of those, say, I, 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 I will, I have access to the email. So, uh, I would say, Kane, even if I can't figure out how to get you into the email, I will take the responsibility. So for those of you who, um, you know, spare yourself the insanity of Twitter, uh, and just want to send us an email with a question, uh, lockdownbucks at gmail.com. Uh, feel free to, uh, to do that. Yeah. I I don't actually want, um, I'm more than happy for you to, for you to take that, that, uh, that end. I, I I don't need access to that email. I just wasn't hundred percent sure if this was a real thing. I think I remember uh, seeing it on your previous mailbag uh, episodes, but yeah, but fire them in. And, uh, and like Frank said, if you're not on Twitter, that's probably a good thing for your sanity. And and like uh, when the bucks lose, so uh, they are, Still, I, I said on Twitter, it's an embarrassing 32-6 and six record now that the Bucks are holding. So, uh, listen, I, I think they're going to be okay uh, after, after this loss against San Antonio. But as we mentioned, they head to San Francisco to take on the Warriors on Wednesday night. That is a late tip. That's a 9 o'clock tip. But we will leave it there for now for Frank Madden and myself, Kane Pittman. We'll speak to you guys tomorrow.